Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It's TJ. I know you're enjoying the wonderful content the Rogue Intel Podcast Network provides. We really couldn't do this without the support of you, our wonderful listeners. One of the best ways you can say thank you also happens to be one of the easiest ways. Just go to rogueintel.com slash Amazon and do your Amazon shopping as you normally would. It won't cost you anything and you'll be supporting your favorite podcast network. That's R-O-G-U-E-I-N-T-E-L dot com slash Amazon. Hi, this is Renee. And this is Kim. And this is Round Trip. Today we have with us in her second visit with Round Trip, travel buddy, Bonetta. That's your new name, <laughs> travel buddy. <laughs> Hello. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So, Bonetta, the reason we asked you to join us today is because we are currently in the throes of the Olympics. The beauty, the majesty, the camaraderie. I'm just going to keep saying words of the Olympics. (laughs) Wow. And the Olympics this year are taking place, as we all know, in Rio. And you recently visited Rio. That I did. As you you know, (laughs) because you were there. I was there the whole time with myself. So we just want to talk to you a little bit about Brazil in general, um, about your experiences in Rio and celebrate the Olympics by celebrating Rio de Janeiro. All right. All right. I love it. So tell us about your trip. What cities did you visit? We went to, uh, we flew into Rio and uh, we stayed there for uh, about three or four days. And then we left and took a flight to uh, Bahia, which is uh, where Salvador is, which has the largest concentration of the, you know, Afro-Latin community. Afro-Brazilian, sorry. Afro-Brazilian, because that's where, I guess, the largest import of slaves happened um, during that time. So the people there are a lot more brown. Um, And we stayed there for about three days, and then we went back to Rio for a day. Um, And it was a really good trip. Uh, The... Uh, Salvador was actually my favorite part of the trip, even though I traditionally am not a huge fan of like culture portions of travel. Um, it's not I'm not against it, but usually I'm like more engaged in the food and the actual sights, so to speak, than like learning, you know, all of these things. But someone pointed out to me later on in another trip that that's probably traditionally because of the places I've been, you learn about them more in your actual studies of school so you're it's just more like a detailed affirmation of things you already know Mm -hmm. versus learning something completely new because of course we aren't learning about um a lot of the you know south american countries and 
you know, African countries when we get taught world history, so to speak. So right. I think that's part of one of the reasons why I was so engaged once we got there. And we, you know, we had a private tour guide one day and he took us, you know, around <clears throat> all of Salvador and we went to, you know, specific in specific sites that, you know, had to do with the Afro-Brazilian culture and, um, you know, in a lot of the places that he took us where we saw other tour groups, of course, he's giving us, you know, this different spin on it as well. So it made me actually more interested to also seek out those type of things when I go to other countries as well to see if that's a another type of, you know, alternative tour that's available to kind of give you this, you know, history and culture that isn't the main culture, so to speak, of that area. So did you happen to watch the opening ceremonies of the Olympics? I have not watched anything Olympic related just yet. So there was a portion of the ceremony where I guess like all countries do, they kind of do a little country specific introduction. Um, it's like an intro. And it started, you know, with like the rainforest and it kind of showed the rainforest and it growing and just really cool effects and all this stuff. Then there was a portion that showed gentlemen who were obviously European on these swings that looked like ships <laughs> and gentlemen who obviously who looked like they who were dressed as if they were native indigenous people examining them and them having like a interaction then a large wheel came with two black gentlemen on it and i said oh i know where this is going and that was the portion of the ceremony that represented all the slaves coming over um to brazil apparently to El salvador like you're saying over in um, a wheel well i think the wheel just kind it of represented the, the movement of them i guess oh, okay, it was okay. just the, that was just the visualization of it okay and then they had like blocks on their feet so they were moving as if they were chained and i of course picked up my phone so i could google this and saw that okay. some it was maybe, and I may get the number wrong, but some millions of slaves came to the Americas through Brazil, whereas mm-hmm. maybe less than 400,000 slaves came to the U.S. or what right. is now known as the U.S. Um, so I see why they included it in the ceremony, but I really had no idea of that impact on the Brazilian culture. So it's interesting that you did get to experience that some in the city of salvador and then i learned a little bit about it on the olympics just a little bit (laughs) yeah it was it was interesting that they added that piece because i mean we'll never see that part in america but (laughs) right right it's interesting that they included that as part of it's part of their culture it's ingrained in their culture so they was like hey we need to show show this right they really did not shy away from the race issues that they have in their culture and that in that um, opening ceremony, and it, it was somebody, at all. And somebody even comment. There was a commentary, and the lady was saying she was like, "Yeah, you know, we we still do have a strong, a, a strong area of racism or, or a separation of the races in Brazil. Oh, they definitely do. They yeah, have not sh- gotten where we are by any stretch of right. imagination. And so, and I was actually I saw a documentary where they were talking about. I think Henry Louis Gates in one of his. Um, documentaries actually went to Brazil and was talking about the whole Afro-Brazilian experience and how they still are pretty much trying to come to grips with that, you know, embracing that there are these differences in culture in people. So Yeah. And I th- and again, I think that's one of the reasons why it was such a different experience for me, um, like in terms of how I, you know, viewed 
the cultural portion of that the trip and it also from it also definitely I've never it's not that I haven't wanted to go but it hasn't been on my top list of things to do to visit mm-hmm. the continent of Africa but that just sparked a huge want for me to go because also it's just very different going somewhere where everybody looks like you you know yeah, I like, that too yeah. that was totally a different experience and I've been to Jamaica but it just still was a very different experience and even though a lot they still knew we were American which I thought was hilarious you know um aside from our skin they you know that they could know we were just by walking I guess we walk differently <laughs> but it was just um they still people still knew we were American but it was just still a different kind of thing you know you didn't quote-unquote stick out not that you stick out in a lot of other places you go but um you can it's just more noticeable and there you just kind of don't see that just looking at everyone's hair and mm-hmm. um especially and like I said uh when we got to Bahia, um, to Salvador specifically, it was, um, they do a lot of, it was a lot of things that you see, like when you go to New Orleans, that were very similar. And it just, you know, I, it just gave me a whole nother kind of perspective as well about the th- the things that no matter where we landed on this country, that are still the same because of where we came from. You know what right. I'm saying? And the people who were able to hold on to that. And it just it just really like profoundly touched me. You know what I'm saying? Like and gave me a, 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 a it made me feel, I guess, more centered in the origins of where I came from, if that's so to speak, even, you know, generations ago. So, right. So where did you guys um, stay? Like, how did you decide on hotel versus apartments or hotel? I already said hotel. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's fine. Um, we we did Airbnb for the entire trip, um, except maybe the the second part of the Rio when we came back from Salvador, and and that's partially because our numbers decreased going in as well. Because uh, there were when we started, it was a total of eight of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and as the trip went on, uh, because we went during Thanksgiving, so some people, you know, wanted to be back by Thanksgiving, you know, to be with their families. And then, um, me and Tiffany were the last two people to leave. So we stayed in the hotel at the very tail end. Um, so, uh, we stayed at Cabana Beach, um, the first portion of the real trip. Uh, it was an amazing space. Um, we had Florida ceiling windows. I um, mean, we were right on the beach, um, so it was. And it was. Um, we had a housekeeper every day who came, um, and she actually cooked us, you know, a traditional Brazilian breakfast, so to oh, speak, nice. of the days. Um, which it wasn't honestly much different than what we went when we went out to the stores. Um, they they it's a lot of fruit and it's very meat heavy. Um, fruit and meats. That's one of the things I remember <laughs> from everywhere we went. They love their fruit and their meat, and I definitely felt a you know a lack of bread in my meals. And I or love vegetables. Bread. Yeah, and vegetables. It was just really about. And I mean, they had several um, places. And like on every, it was like the Waffle House of fruiteries. When you every corner, it was somewhere you could get like. They could do whatever God you wanted to do with fruit. You could just get fruit to cup. You could get fruit, these juices from fruit you had never heard of. Like it was just every single corner there was something um, related to fruit and yeah. a meal, basically. So um, that which was. Make, which makes sense. I think Brazil is one of our larger importers of fruits, too. Like we get a lot of stuff that's off season from Brazil. So. Uh, okay. Well, I could they- imagine that that's why there's fruit all over the place. <laughs> yeah. So, so every- what, what kind of meat are we talking about? Like. 
Um, Processed meat or like a, a scoop a of fresh, ground beef or fresh no. off the cow. <laughs> fresh off the cow, the pig. Um, it was it was lots of beef, lots of pork. Um, not as much pork as like you know. I feel like when I went to Hawaii, they don't eat nothing but everything was pork related. Yeah. Everything came off a pig. I wouldn't say it was that heavy, but it was definitely lots of beef, lots of chicken. Um, not a. It was some seafood as well, but not um fish. It was more like scallops and mussels and shrimp and um and they had some fish obviously, but it wasn't just like when you think of um especially with them being by the water, you know, and a lot of it was fish I had not even heard of, so I wasn't as I'm not very food venturous, so I didn't try a lot of um that kind of stuff, but um like yeah, it was just definitely I honestly have no recollection of eating vegetables while I was there. <laughs> Not saying I didn't. I just don't. You know, it wasn't a traditional meat in a side kind of situation, in a bread. It definitely wasn't going down like that. You know, especially when you go somewhere <laughs> like Europe and they're putting everything on top of bread and inside right. of bread. Everybody's handing you a baguette. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're putting, it's kind of, it's just, you know, and they're putting all their meats inside of, you know, inside of the bread, by the bread, on top of the bread, under the bread. And there it was just, no, you eat this meat, probably, and, you know, you might can get a broccoli or, you know, I don't know. It just, it was definitely meat and fruit. That was what I basically, and, you know, because um, uh, even when we stayed at the hotel, it included a breakfast. And I remember thinking, it's a hotel, right, we're going to finally get that little bit of everything. And I got downstairs right. and I was like, well, there's toast. <laughs> <laughs> And meat and, cheese, meat and, and fruit. Meat and, and meat and fruit. <laughs> meat and fruit. <laughs> meat and fruit. Pretty much it. You know, they had like the slices of cheese, but it was, it did not, it was definitely not a lot of bread. So, but it, um, so that's where we stayed, Cocoban. And then we went to, we also had a house, I mean, a, a, a condo in, um, in Salvador. Uh, ironically enough, the place was very small, which mm-hmm. was, and I think it seemed smaller because we had so much space where we were before. Mm-hmm. So we, the one of the guys, he's very particular about where he lays his head. So we actually ended up checking out of there early. And he booked us somewhere completely different. Um, and we went there. And it was on a different, because the we stayed, I'm not sure which beach we stayed on when we um, we were there in Salvador, that first area. But it was a very, like, populated, like, heavy you know touristy area um and then we kind of went out to the suburbs um for that second portion because we were like in a gated community um you know that was actually on a beach but it was a totally different kind of beach than what we were when we were in salvador like one of the things that stayed with me just going was the there i mean they have people walking on the beaches and they are selling literally everything it was like mobile walmart like (laughs) there was nothing you could think of that somebody would not walk by and be able to sell you like my set my sunglasses fell literally probably 10 or 15 minutes later i was able to get a new pair of sunglasses they were walking around with cell phone chargers cheese like they have this called keju somebody's screaming keju as he's walking and basically he's walking with a, a fire a little mobile fire pit and a cooler full of cheese and he sets the fire pit up he toasts the cheese for you and you eat toasted cheese that they, they had a, a fruit person like i said it was just an insane the number of things you can get like actual meals brought out to it was wow. just crazy. yeah crazy. So, 
it was and i don't and i don't know if that's mainly because they're in these touristy parts because when we got to the beach that was kind of in the suburbs and the funny part is i really wanted to try the cashew at that point nobody (laughs) ever came by because it was just really just a hanging out you know and there were hotels on this beach but it just wasn't that so i'm thinking it may have been more of an affluent side Mm -hmm. um so they just probably not letting the vendors or you know people come around and you know do that like they were there but so um, random fried cheese mm-hmm. yeah so i did not get any random fried cheese at all um <laughs> pretty disappointed i didn't know that that was i was just figured that was the situation there that at that point like oh you go to the beach you good because i mean you don't even need towel like you literally need nothing you can just walk out there with your swimsuit on like it is no bundling of the and, I, and one of the guys who they made friends with one day because basically you end up getting they're almost like brokers right who you find a guy and he's the person who arranges everything that you need at that point like and so one of the guys with us that's what he did he got you know he just paid this guy and he was like the third party of whatever we needed. So if we needed chairs, if we needed blankets, if we, you know, he's, we need an umbrella, we needed a, a alcoholic drink. He's the person, hey, da, 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 you know, getting it over there to you. So um, I was like, dang, had I known, I, I wish I needed that guy because I need some Keju. Like, what the- <laughs> I'm sitting here without that experience. I kind of took it for granted. So, um, but yeah, it was, that was, that was a very interesting part. You know, you could just literally walk to the beach with nothing. <laughs> And everything wow. you need to be there. That is crazy. What was your experience with other people? With the people who, I guess, who lived around the Airbnb spot and people on the beach and people that you kind of met out as you were going through your visit? Um, the experience with the people there, um, I don't really know. That's not something that stuck with me, so to speak. And maybe because we were in the touristy areas. Um you know them in in the language barrier um because they speak portuguese and um we did not <laughs> and, i mean i had an app where i kind of tried to get familiar with it as you know as a laying up teacher with the basics um but it was definitely not a situation where you ran into a lot of people who spoke english we were kind of fortunate that one of the guys with us had lived there for 2 years for work so he was relatively you know fluent in portuguese so it was one of those things where every time we went somewhere we just looked at eric like and he just started talking (laughs) you know what i'm saying so he wasn't he was one of the people who left early in time to be there for thanksgiving so we were at a huge disadvantage we didn't even realize how much when he left it was like (laughs) you know how do we get the cab you know um the it was you know the only time i would say we had a true and this is going to sound horrible interaction with people who like live there. We went to a strip club and um, in the strip club, of course, there were, you know, regular Brazilians because it wasn't in a touristy area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a it was not a traditional American strip club by any stretch of imagination um, because they didn't really strip. They were in there. It looked like a club. They were like pretty, in there fully clothed. What? So you girl. just went to a club, right? That's how it. I mean, it, that's how it felt when I kept saying like, "But where are the naked women?" Like it was only one naked woman at a time in this huh. place, um, and she would be on, and it maybe two because they had two stages, um, and pretty much all the other girls. Because I was thinking like, where? Are, but I didn't realize that these other girls walking around in their club clothes were the actual strippers, and we were the only women there 
who weren't strippers, but we didn't. Only reason we probably knew it because we were like in jeans and t-shirt. You know what I'm saying? Like right, once right. I that was the distinction. Um, but and then I noticed that when one girl would go missing, she ended up on the stage, and you know she just pretty much had her boobs out, not like fully, fully. Um, and they all had routines, but I, what we ended up finding out was that's all, it was almost more like a, the strip club is more of a market to take them home, like to see where you're getting. Oh, that's how you get dates, basically. Yes, it's how okay. you. So that's why it wasn't a. And so you was, can't you can't show off all the goods before you pay, right? Right, right. Hmm. Because I think once they realized, you know, they weren't even like actively throwing money at these women. Like we kind of started that because obviously, and especially with a lot of us living, you know, in Atlanta, it was just kind of like, wait, what? No, let's throw some 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 money out. And at one point, they weren't even throwing the Brazilian rays. They actually started throwing American dollars. <laughs> so, um. You know, because, you know, the girls would be dancing and nobody, you know, every now and then you see somebody walk up to her and kind of, it was almost like you just put it in her hand and she took it somewhere. We were like, oh, it's so polite. No. It was very polite. <laughs> Thank so polite. you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> right. So, you know, and I guess kind of changed. And they had a DJ. And so they, the people we were with had kind of went to talk to him and start requesting specific, you know, American songs with <laughs> strip club tones. Um, and so, you know, uh, once that happened, and then the guys we would actually start throwing money, we would, you know, give them money, too. And it was one girl, because even they just seemed lazy, too, but we realized they were. <laughs> it was because. Atlanta, Atlanta strippers, Atlanta strippers exactly. work up in there. The real work happens <laughs> you know, later. It was just kind of like, but once we realized, like like Kim said, like, oh, no, this is not what they're really here for. They're here to, to solicit other kinds of business. Right. Um, and this is on display. But one girl, she had like a full routine and we were like cheering for her like, yes, Gabby, you do it. You know, blah, blah, blah. Did you name her uh, Gabby? <laughs> no, her real name was, it was Gabriella. We named her oh, okay. Gabby. They always said Gabriella, but we were like, go, Gabby. So she came over after and kissed us, gave us all kisses on the cheek. And, but then she went to somebody who was going to take her home because later on, you know, but uh, the real work was, happened. Right. The real work happened. And a couple of them actually remembered the guy that we that used to live there. They actually remembered him, which was hilarious. So I was thinking, Awkward. whoa, what? yeah, huh? they remember you and you have been gone for like a year and a half. But OK, that's fine. Um, but yeah, it was, that was very, like I said, so that was a definite, look, a little bit of immersion yeah. <laughs> with the locals. <laughs> interesting interaction with the, uh, people. yeah, I wish I had, yeah, I love I that I, you call them lazy though. Like, right. like they just, they just weren't doing, they <laughs> just really weren't doing they, anything. All you're doing is showing you what it is. <laughs> that's it. Old truck stop strippers. <laughs> it really was. I mean, they were gorgeous because, you know, that's definitely not something that, it's overly hyped about the women being beautiful, but you don't being there. I could see why they don't necessarily, they don't act like it being there because everybody looks like them. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. So um, it would because that's one of the things I was very interested to see. You know, you know, with Brazil being known as quote unquote having the most beautiful women in the world, but you really after like a day or two, it really did wear off. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I like, think maybe for you, but I'm sure it was a guy for a fella. Yeah. Oh, well, that's true. That's, that's probably, true. It probably lasts a little bit longer, yeah. right? Because we had three guys with us, and every time they were, they were always making jokes that every time people knew they were in the Brazil, they were like, "Oh man!" They were like, "No, no, no, we we gonna be with five girls, just no." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we ain't having that kind of trip. So uh, y'all was y'all was blocking the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> trying. That's the funny part. We ain't even trying. 
like, oh, okay. But we and the men weren't as impressive as the women, which I found very surprising because I was thinking, you know, you feel like you have to have a yin yang, right? Got all these somebody's making these pretty women. <laughs> but the men weren't I don't remember being like, Oh, I gotta come back for these dudes. Like just no, not at all. So Maybe those yeah. men were somewhere else. Oh, okay. Small little village. Yeah. They don't <laughs> they they don't have to go to the strip club because they've got, you know, they're so handsome they're already Oh, attached. maybe so. Yeah. Okay. And I, I don't and it, know. I'm making this I'm making this up. <laughs> and you know, maybe they were in the parts that we probably were advised not to go in. Probably. <laughs> That's possibly. <laughs> probably more so what happened. They could have. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> they, they could kill you. So, and right. not with, you but. are so handsome. Please stop stabbing me. <laughs> right. But I like you. But I like you. Come on, we can be we can be good together, oh. right? Because people were very. They definitely wanted to make sure you know. Because um, it was one point we tried to go to this club, and we after the third text driver told us no, um, about <laughs> taking us. I re- it was like okay, well let's just do something else. So you know, it could have been tons of handsome men in this club that we weren't couldn't get a ride to because. Of how we had to the taxi driver. The taxi like, driver was blocking. Yeah, they, they were like, every, like by, I'm telling you, by the third one, that's was like, okay, seriously, guys, three taxis have refused to take us. Like, was it I think, because it was far or because of the safety of the area? The safety, they yeah. safety, and they said, and I think it's because the the area they had to go through to take us because it was like on a hill, and that and that's mm-hmm. what we finally got one who said, "I'll drop y'all at the bottom of the hill," even though I don't think suggest so you walk. Oh crap. <laughs> Yeah, um, but because I mean, you don't want to be the taxi driver who dropped off the six Americans that were never seen again. True story. True story. I guess that's exactly what it was. So, um, and and it was, and I guess it because it was dark, and I think that was one of the things that maybe it was a certain time of day just wasn't good to drive through the area that it took you to get to this place. Um, So uh, this particular, because I mean, it was a club that actually had like ratings. Like they suggested you go, but apparently they failed to include go during daylight to get there. Hmm. But then, how do you get back? <laughs> yeah, that was that was one of the reasons why I kind of was thinking. Like, as by the second guy, I was like, oh, okay. But the other part about this is, how are we gonna get home? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, but I was, you know, trying to be a team player. So, uh, but it was it was some type of. I honestly don't remember what it was, but it was like a thing that's known there with the whole street dancing kind of situation mm-hmm. um, where they have like live music and actual bands. So, I mean, I, I hate that we can experience it, but I like being alive. So, you know. Did you have any experiences in the favelas? No, I did not. I mean, we drove by. The funny part about that for me was at one point we were driving some, we were, you know, in a cab somewhere. And I was like, oh, my gosh, they have all these these areas under construction. <laughs> um, that's what I said to the, And I'm asking the cab driver, is it for Olympics? And he was like, um, no, those those are favelas. Like, though, that is not an area under those. Those are nice and finished places. <laughs> And people live there. Um, and it was because they were just like the actual stone. So, you know, when you see a construction and they have the cement part up before mm-hmm. they act, that's what they were with like 10 roofs and you could actually see the mortar. And so I was thinking these were areas that were under construction, um, but they weren't. That's where and they are. And they have them um, a lot of them 
I don't want to say gated in, but, you know, you can see the distinction for when you would cross over into those areas um, versus, you know, the other populace of, you know, the parts of Rio. I don't I don't remember seeing any in Salvador. Of course, I'm sure they had them. But in Rio, I mean, it's just literally a part of the landscape of seeing it, um, these areas. So um, and I mean, they're so closely packed and tall and like I said they don't even look like finished buildings it looks like somewhere you don't want to go into I can definitely say that like once I realized where I was oh yeah I don't want any parts of that I'm not feeling that kind of adventurous um and the streets are very tight in some of the places um similar to uh if you remember in Italy those very tight streets that go up in circles right um, so you could kind of see sometimes on other places we were going that we weren't even far from them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I, yeah, so, uh, but we did not have any. Um, the only time I could say I truly felt unsafe was when we were trying to go to the, um, the I think it's called Escalera Steps. Um, Is that and, the steps with all the colors on the? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And our cab driver was Shady Boots, and he did not drop us off in front of the street that you walk to to get to him. He dropped us off on this little alleyway, and we didn't. We noticed it wasn't a lot of people, and I'm thinking this is a big tourist part. But I, and I'm not saying he was doing it on purpose because what we re- later realized was be- he dropped us off on a street that took you to the top of the steps where you would walk down, versus everybody else gets dropped off at the bottom of the steps. So you had to walk through this like back neighborhood, which did not feel safe as we started walking um, to get to the top of the steps. And people were kind of out looking at us and you, they could kind of you could tell they're looking like, what are y'all even doing back here? You know, like it was definitely the road less traveled. Right. They would come up in there speaking Portuguese. And we were we weren't there as a unit of eight at that point because we obviously had to take different modes of taxi when we went places. Um, so it was just a group of four of us and, um, the guy who was with us, you know, he kept trying to like ward off people as they came up talking to us, you know, and I think a club club did have good intentions to say, look, y'all are in the wrong place, <laughs> y'all are in the wrong place. But of course, because we didn't understand. So we end up seeing some other tourists who I guess what happened was they had came to the top and they were going back out that way. And they were like, no, 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 don't, you know, you're not even in close so they, they took us right. back down and we started they showed us how to get to the bottom um and i'm and i'm very grateful for what they because i mean not that i thought anything would happen but it just did like it was nobody on this these streets and like i said it was very tight quarters and um it just it didn't feel right yeah right <laughs> at all so intuition so, said this was not safe yeah, right. that's the time I truly felt unsafe because, you know, it was so many warnings about, I mean, there always are about, you know, Brazil and the cops. And Don't go down any dark alleys. The, <laughs> alleys. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that they just, the crime is so bad there. So, you know, because even a lot of the travel guys, so never talk on your phone out in public. Um, I read a lot about pickpocketing. They said that it's really a big deal like on the beach like they go and steal bags and things like that they, they do they do and we met some girls and um we went to the mall and we met some and i think not and again i think this is one of those things when you blend in um mm-hmm. some, i think they definitely target people who don't have the same skin color as them um because mm. the girl said they had been on the beach all of 15 minutes and they all her stuff had got stolen yeah dang 
and it was so and it was so crazy that we didn't have any of that experiences and we had already been there for a while and i remember at one point my ipad was show like i was laying on the beach and i had my ipad like between cuz you know i'm i'm i don't have physical books <laughs> so ah you millennial book with me but i didn't realize until i got there like oh god i don't have a book and i i'm on the beach i want to read a book i was like well you know at the end of the day it's a first generation ipad you just got to take the chance like that's what i said it's that important to me to be able to read on the beach right (laughs) so um i had you know fell asleep and when i woke up i noticed that it was sticking out and i kept thinking crap I can't believe nobody stole this and right. so when I met those girls and they said that I was like oh okay I'm sure that my melanin probably came in t- <laughs> into account you they, know didn't want, they didn't want none of your black girl magic to go the opposite way <laughs> they didn't want none of that because she said they were laying right there. It wasn't even like they left. No, they saw that first generation iPad. They're like, we can't get no money for that. <laughs> That's probably maybe it has it to do it as well. <laughs> that probably has to do it as well. Yeah. <laughs> she said it was stolen right from under them. She still has no idea how it even happened. Wow. Um, because it wasn't like they left their stuff. They were right there. And she just wow. said it just it was just gone. And I was holy crap like but yeah the pickpocketing is real but like they yeah you notice nobody's like walking around talking on their cell phones really like because yeah. i you know a lot of times you hear these warnings but you're like yeah y'all just say that to make sure nothing happens but when i got that notice nobody was really out on their phones like unless they were inside buildings no one was right. out and talking on their phone How interesting. So. so what about um like just the health concerns like Prior to the Rio Olympics starting, there was a big deal about, you know, the water and and Zika had came up. Um, I think when you went, Zika probably wasn't as much of a big deal. But did you guys have to get shots? Were you concerned about drinking the water or just hygiene in general while you were over there? Like, how did you manage that? No, we didn't have any of those. Like, Zika probably came a month later um, Mm -hmm. out in the news after maybe around December. And I was like, oh, I guess we missed that bullet. (laughs) So we didn't hear anything about that. As far as the water, we did have people tell us about um, it, but, but it was more about where the Olympic things were happening. I don't think it was necessarily a uh, perverse problem throughout the entire quote unquote country or the city. I think it's mm-hmm. where the areas they were projecting that people having because they're they you know they're not swimming on the beaches in the tourist areas. They're swim. They had all this stuff happening in different places that they're making quote unquote Olympic areas. You know what I'm saying? Which right. that's why they weren't safe. Um, and it's a totally different being in the beach as a a, a swimmer um, on a tourist level than competing athletically for long periods of time mm-hmm. in the water as well. Um, and some of the places that they pointed out were places they were known to dump trash. You know, um, and and they had actually said a lot of Olympians were already there trying to start, you know, getting their immune system and their resistance up to being in this, these waters for long Oof. periods of time. Um, because a lot of the things they said were it wasn't even it was it was a real problem. Like it's other areas in Brazil. They could have moved some of these things to and because of the, you know, the greed and the corruption that exists there. They just weren't going to do it. Right. They pretty much didn't want to have to deal with that. 
greasing palms in order for them to actually be able to compete in those areas. Right, because they yeah. wanted to keep the money concentrated in Rio. Like, right. you know, because a lot of times when they do have Olymp- Olympics places, they're all over that particular city or even in other places in the country um, that may be, you know, less populated. But I think that um, from what, you know, was explained to us that especially with the so many politicians being involved in the corruption all the way to the, these very, very top levels, um that that was some of the problem that you know they had with trying to get things maybe places that would be better off for the people actually participating in these games so um you didn't have to get these shots or special vaccinations nope. though in order for you to travel there okay mm-hmm. not at all it wasn't and, even suggested and was there a visa requirement for you to go to brazil Yes, it was. And it was very taxing. But it was, of course, right now, you know, they waived all that for the Olympics. But what it is, is they have reciprocity in terms of the U.S. So their visa requirements basically reflect the visa requirements of where you live. So because the it's the, you know, they just mirror it. So they're basically doing the same thing to us that the U.S. does to them to come to the U.S. That's why it was mm-hmm. so difficult um, in terms of uh, you have to send bank statements. You had to basically really? to, yeah, it was, it was, I was, because I had never experienced it before. It was just like, because I've only had to have a visa one place I went, and that's when I went to Australia. Um, but it was literally an application and $20. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it, and it, they didn't send me anything here. You have to give you have to send them your passport. You know, they keep it. Um, you have to have a picture that's a certain size, a, pa- a passport size photo. Like I said, you got to do the bank statements. You have to um, it's different visas that you have to fill out. It's one hundred and sixty dollars. Like it was just um, and I did find out later on because some of us came from different places that even your region in the states has different requirements. Um in the ability to get it. So some people lived in Dallas, some people live in Chicago, and of course I live in Atlanta. And um, Atlanta, the office for the southeast portion of the United States is actually in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people in Texas were actually able, like you fill the application out online, and they were able to do same day. If they went to the office, they actually were able to do everything right there and get it back right away, as long as they filled the application out online ahead of time. And that wasn't the case here. And um, in Chicago, I believe they didn't have to do the bank statements. That was like a portion they didn't have to do, which was kind of weird. So I don't know if they kind of, I don't know. It was just weird. The whole process was weird. Yeah, it seems kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it was just, it was one of the more difficult things in terms of having, especially when I thought it was $160. Like, wait, what? $160? So did they (laughs) mail your passport back or you get it back? Um, you you could so if you want it mailed back, you have to give like a prepaid envelope with a tracking number and all this other stuff. And that was one reason I did go up there to take mine because I didn't want to take any chances. But so I end up having to have someone go and get it for me. Um, okay. Jeez, it is a lot yeah. of work. That's good to know, though. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not sure. Like I said, you know, they waived it for the Olympics, so nobody had to go through any of this. And I don't know how long that's going to even be in place, you know, before they, you know, take it back to the way it was. Um, Or even if they will, um, based on whatever influx of, you know, people they get coming to feed their economy. Yeah. So, Vanetta, as far as tourist attractions, what was your favorite tourist attraction that you saw while you were there? 
<clears throat> okay, um, of course, everybody who knows anything about Rio, the Christ Redeemer statue mm-hmm. is our Cristo Redentor is, <laughs> you know, the main global attraction about going there. And it was the main reason I, it was like the only thing I even cared about. Um, kind of similar with the Paris, like only I cared about was the Eiffel Tower. Only thing I cared about, like nothing else mattered but me getting to this, <laughs> to this statue. Um, so... Uh, on the day we went, it was very cloudy, and it was so crazy. When we got there, nobody was in the line, and I was like, "Yes, I'm so excited!" But then, turns out they didn't want to even sell us tickets. That's why nobody was in the line. Um, and they were like, "It's a really cloudy day. We're not selling tickets." Blah blah blah. So um, this is where having you know an aggressive man came into play, and basically he talked them into selling us tickets anyway. Like, look, we came all the way from the United States, dude. Like, yeah. We we don't care that it's cloudy. Sell us the tickets. Um, because you actually take like a shuttle bus to take you up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that. And the funny part was we got up there and I was thinking we wouldn't be able to see the statue. Like that's why they were saying. But the issue was you can't see the cityscape, which that is, I guess, one of the huge selling points is this aerial view of the entire city of Rio when you're up there so high. But again, I didn't care about that. I cared about this statue. <laughs> and he was perfectly clear and fine. And it was actually people up there, which, and I don't know if there were other people who like forced him to sell, t- sell them tickets as well. Um, but uh, yeah, they, you know, it was, it, you're right. We could not, I did actually take a picture of the fact I could see nothing. It was just clouds. Um, you couldn't see even a hint of another building, but the actual statue itself, it was, I mean, it was so it was just so great to be up so close to it. And, you know, something you see so in so many pictures whenever they talk about, you know, the country of Brazil. And um, it was, you know, it was one of those things where you there don't try to get a picture with just you and your people in it. You're going to have to accept there are going to be lots of people in the picture. And all I could think about was we're here on a day they aren't even selling tickets. I can't even imagine what it's like on a nice, clear day to be up here like. I would probably have been so annoyed, you know, um, but that was, you know, for me, that was a main thing that hit home. So just to wrap up, would you visit Brazil again? And if you had one piece of advice for someone visiting Brazil, what would it be? I would definitely visit again. Um, I would visit Brazil, maybe, maybe Rio again. Um, but I definitely want to go to Salvador again. Um, it was very, it was gorgeous, even just with the colors of the building. It had that very Mediterranean um, feel, you know, where the dip, the buildings are like kind of stair step not each other, but they're different colors. I just, in the streets were all cobblestone, and um, I would definitely go there again. Um, and uh, just, I would want to see more of Bahia, honestly, just of the areas of that part of, of uh, Brazil that, you know, quote unquote, have people that look like me. Um, uh, and what was the other part of your question? Advice for anybody going? Yes. Um, I would just say do your research <laughs> and and maybe try to definitely have some familiarity with Portuguese um, because there, it definitely was not a situation where there was a lot of people who spoke English doing the basics of things like even in restaurants, um, cabs, uh, pharmacies, you know, because uh, we had somebody who got sick while we were there, and they were prepared in the sense they had a, a book, a dictionary there, and they pulled it out for us to point to words to try to communicate what we needed. And I'm sure that probably has something to do with it being medically related, <laughs> and they don't want to be giving people 
Right. God knows what. <laughs> right. Uh, but it definitely it is a, a language barrier that is a very real thing um, in terms of basics. I mean, and from now on, I probably, it made me start saying when I go places, I probably need to just start packing medicine, simple medicine, like mm-hmm. syrup and stuff for my stomach in labels that I can understand. <laughs> uh, have lots of their money on you. Um, what was the currency? Uh, Reyes. Mm-hmm. It's spelled real, R-E-A-L, but it's called, it's Reyes. And, um, you can, it's a negotiating country, so you, you can get things for so a lot of, lot of barter. Definitely have a lot. You don't have it on you, but the ability to get cash everywhere right. you go, because it wasn't a card-friendly situation either. Okay, okay, yeah, I would imagine that's more, more cash, cash-heavy. Yeah. I mean, in the restaurants, we were able to do it, especially, like, some of the places that we ate, and they're only, like, serving courses, and you know what I'm saying? We were able, they were able to split it on our cards just fine, but just... Mm-hmm. Normal everyday stuff, not so much. Right. And definitely for the beaches. <laughs> what? Yeah. The fried cheese guy doesn't take credit card? He does not take square whatsoever. That surprises me. Yeah. So. But Nada, thank you so much for joining us again. We are always happy to have you in studio on the Round Trip Podcast. You have such wonderful adventures and we love that you share them with us. Thanks, Vanetta. Thanks so much, Renee, for having me and you too, Kimberly. <laughs> I'm such an afterthought. So oh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Round Trip Pod, on Instagram at Round Trip Pod, on Facebook at The Round Trip Podcast, and on Snapchat at Round Trip Pod. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.